The Keeping It 1000 podcast with George Carl and Adam Mades is brought to you with limited commercial interruption thanks to DraftKings Sportsbook. Week two of football is in the books, and now it's time to review the tape and get ready for week three. There's no better place to get in on all the action than DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. And to add to the excitement of week three, DraftKings Sportsbook is bringing back their can't-miss offer. If you haven't tried it yet, head to the app store right now because you don't want to miss this. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new users the chance to turn $1 into $100 when they bet on any team. That's right. You can place a bet on any team. It could be the heaviest favorite. You put $1 up, and if you hit that bet, you cash a cool Benjamin. And if football isn't for you, DraftKings is giving you MMA fans the same great offer for this weekend's UFC 253. Isn't that crazy? The same exact offer. It's safe, reliable, secure. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR when you do so you can take advantage of this can't-miss offer. It must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. What is up, everybody, and welcome to the Keeping It 1000 podcast. I'm your host, Adam Manas, and I'm joined by the star of the show, Coach George Carl. Coach, it's great to see you. It's great to still be talking to you about the Denver Nuggets and their attempt to win the first NBA championship in franchise history. They're getting closer than I, than I thought they were going to at almost any point this season. Well, I think they've, they have a, they've had an interesting run. I mean, yeah. Um, and you know, as a as a student of the game, you kind of study what's going on a little bit on the habits. And in game, the first series, they didn't take control of the series until late. Yeah, maybe actually game seven. Uh, I think the Clippers series they took better control of it, and by game five and game six. And I think game four is going to be really interesting. I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm having trouble saying why shouldn't you think there's going to win? I mean, there's many reasons for them to win as they are to lose. I mean, the world of NBA basketball thinks LeBron's going to win this thing, and they think it's going to be fairly easy. And last night was, you know, listen, these things happen. Uh, but watching the game, I. Every playoff series, uh, you find out things about your team, find out things about the other team, and find out things that you know you can do, and you know you're going to have trouble. Other things, not you're not going to you're going to have trouble doing. Um, the last six quarters, it seems like Denver has a good feel for what they have to do to be yeah. successful, and it starts with transition defense. It starts a little bit with transition offense coming off of turnovers. The turnovers becoming really important in this series. It seems both teams have the ability to turn the other team over a little bit. Uh, there's more turnovers yeah. in these playoff games than most. And because of that, the offense, uh, the only really good offense is basically coming in transition by both teams. Uh, you know, I know, I know the Denver Nuggets never think they get a good whistle, but I think they've actually got a pretty good whistle in game two and game three. Yeah. Uh, 
I mean, there are bad calls. I thought last night's game was kind of refereed like a regular season game, a little more than a playoff game. It seems the referees were cautious about how feisty it might get or how physical it might get. And I thought they called some soft fouls on both teams, kind of missed some calls on both teams. But, uh, I mean, when you get Grant to get to the free, line, free throw line 12 times, that's a big plus. And I think they're actually winning the free throw line in game two, game three. Why was Jeremy Grant getting to the line yesterday? Because I went back. I've only watched the second half now, um, rewatched it. But he's not a guy that you typically attacks and gets contact, seeks out contact. Well, I don't know if you saw game three of the Boston-Miami series. Boston took everything to the rim and gave up, took no jump shots. And I have a feeling Mike Malone did the same thing with Denver. They just told, they said to everybody, Millsap, Gary Harris, Monte Morris, we want you to be aggressive, but we don't want you to shoot jump shots. We want you to be aggressive to the rim, to the gap, or try to find and make a play. The right. only guys who are allowed to play around with the ball are Jokic and Murray. And I think they all bought in. Yeah. I thought they got to the rim very – they got to the paint a lot. Uh, I don't know their stats on how many times a, a team touches the paint. But I thought Denver dominated that area in game three. And it makes them better players. Uh, and I think the defense is I think Denver's got to know that you got a crowd – Anthony Davis, and you got to give LeBron a crowd in a clever way. You just can't gobble them because they're right. smart. They're good passers. They'll find the open man. But you kind of got to surprise. You got to surprise them. And then the other three guys are just going to work your tail off, scrambling and hustling and trying to cover the open man, knowing that you're going to give up some open shots. Right. But if you do that with energy and make them move the ball, and then all of a sudden there's a deflection or a bad pass in there, it works. And I thought the Lakers, the one thing after last night's game, I said that I, I, I was sitting there with John Welsh, assistant coach with the Clippers, and I talked about you, Grant, that, you know, when he first came into the league, he was an athlete, a defender yeah. and an athlete. Right. Then he got to be a shooter a little bit. And this year, I thought he gave up his athleticism until last night. I thought he didn't attack the rim enough. He didn't have confidence in making a basketball play. And I think Malone went to all those guys. You know, Porter Jr., Harris, Monte. He seemed like he went with shooters in his rotation. He kind of, Torrey Craig now is kind of, the yeah. substitute defender. Right. If they need somebody more than Harris and uh, and Grant, then they go. They go. They'll go to uh, Craig. Uh, to Craig. But yeah, and the whole thing comes down to is all the guys played like yesterday, other than Troy Craig, are concerned. I think everybody thinks they're going to make shots. Right. And they did. You know, Morris had a good first half. Uh, Gary here, I don't know where he went on vacation, but he's kind of on vacation right now. But Grant was marvelous. 
And Porter Jr. was adequate, was very, was solid for a young player. Yeah. The role players for Denver, it, it does seem like if whatever team can get their role players to knock down shots gets this enormous edge because LeBron's been doing his thing more or less, Anthony Davis, Jokic, Jamal. So now you're talking about Caruso versus Gary Harris, you know, um, Markeith Morris versus Michael Porter Jr., just in the shot making and Denver getting contributions last night from Monte Morris and from Michael Porter and especially from Jeremy Grant, which is one of his best games as a pro, to me it just seems like that's the big question. Who has more guys they can count on to hit shots of those others night in and night out? Yeah, I call it the series of others. And in a lot of ways, if you look at the four teams remaining, it's a series of who wants to be the next champion. Because three of the teams are very inexperienced. And you can argue that LeBron is the only experienced guy on the Lakers. Yeah. Rondo, yeah. okay. Right, Rondo's well. But other than Rondo and LeBron, uh, Rondo and LeBron, I mean, Dwight Howard's been there, but that was a while ago. It was ago. a while Javel, ago. Javel was... Danny Green maybe a little bit. You know, he's been a role player for some good teams. But, yeah, you look at, like, a Kuzma, you look at an Anthony Davis. A lot of the guys they're, they're counting on haven't. I think there was a stat. Um, Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray have each played more playoff games than Anthony Davis, which is kind of wild. They've only been in the playoffs two years. And if I'm the Lakers, I'm worried about Anthony Davis. It's going mm. Anthony, da- Anthony Davis has got to help them win one more game for sure. And I think he's got to be really good in at least two more games. Yeah. I thought Denver won after him last night. You know, Gary Harris got they, – they were physical with him. They didn't let him have a finesse game. Yeah. And it bothered – it bothered Anthony Davis. And he doesn't – he obviously didn't get into the game as statistically as much as he'd wanted to. Um, and I think he's got to show up for them to win. And there's a part of me that says he might not show up. Yeah. I, I mean, I know his skill and, and his talent is everybody knows that. But he has had so many ordinary games in big time situations that, you know, and LeBron, I don't think there's enough there for LeBron to take on Murray and Jokic right now. I think Mo- Murray and Jokic will figure out how to give enough good good basketball to kind of negate LeBron. LeBron's got to figure out how to make someone else work. And the guy that figured that out yesterday was Grant. Right. I don't know if it was, I don't know if it was um, coach Malone or if it was a, a game strategy, but he had a different attitude and hopefully he can continue that. I want to come back to Grant, but you're saying something that's interesting because it's something guys like I say who've never been there. I've never been inside a locker room with the team, and that is the Nuggets are battle-tested. They've been on death's door for over a month, and they keep performing. I feel like you could be comfortable saying this team is not afraid of the tough moments because they've proven it enough times for me that I'll give them that. We don't know that about this Lakers team, and especially we don't know that about Anthony Davis. And you're kind of saying the same thing, that 
it's not that you know he's not that guy. It's just that they haven't been in position for him to have to be that guy yet. Is that more or less what kind of what you're getting at? Yeah, I'm I'm getting at that. In a lot of ways, the Denver Nuggets are a better basketball team than the L.A. Lakers. Mm. And the reason no one is going to say that is LeBron James. Right. But LeBron, I don't know. I read something, and I think it's true, but it seems like as the game goes on, LeBron gets a little tired. Yeah. I don't think he's shooting the ball in the fourth quarter very well. Right. Murray and Jokic have been unbelievable in the fourth quarter. Anthony Davis was their fourth quarter guy in game two. It wasn't LeBron. Right. And I'm just saying, you know, LeBron is, I don't know how old he is, but he, you know, he's played a lot of basketball in his life. And if he's 36, his basketball life might be 40. And yeah. I know he's one of the all time Superman athletes that ever played a game, but. We all get old, and LeBron has, has to carry a heavy load on this team, responsibility playing the game, leading the game, being the point guard of the team, and the stress of his legacy. You know, he thinks he, sh- he should. LeBron looks like he thinks he should win this year. Right. And if he doesn't win this year, there's a stress factor that goes with that. That's interesting. So an interesting like psychology to it because he's very aware of his legacy. I mean, of all superstars, LeBron James is very aware of his place in the basketball pantheon. And of course, racking up championships is a big part of it. So I think there is a stress there. You mentioned, I thought that both Anthony Davis and LeBron James looked dead tired at the end of that game. Of course, they have to go on that 19 to two run to get back into it. They use a lot of energy. You know, games are happening now quickly every other night. I do wonder if that is going to become more of a story going forward. You're talking about a very old player. He's 35, almost 36, which is my age. I get tired all the time nowadays. Um, so I know he is he's getting fatigued. Do you think that becomes a larger part of the puzzle going forward? And if so, is there something Denver can do to exasperate that, take even more advantage of it? Well, I think they got to crowd him more. It looks like he's turning the ball over more than he has in the past. I don't think you can bring him a spooled up team, but I think you got to be cute and aware that collapse on him and turn him over. I know the Lakers are big into deflections, but I think Denver's been big into deflections too. Yeah. And I think the team that makes offense from defense has better shot selection, low turnovers, makes free throws, there's a, there's a fundamental, a simple fundamental to the, some of the stuff for this playoff series. Yeah. There's a lot of complicated stuff too. But the basic right now is who's going to turn who over. I mean, the Lakers found a little magic in, in the zone last night. Uh, is that going to be effective? Can, that, can one day of practice solve what, what happened to the Nuggets? I would say there's a good chance it can. But the zone or the double teaming or the more aggressive defensive modes might be a part of the game plan coming in the future. My whole thing is I can live with the Lakers beating me with Danny Green and Alex Caruso 
and Kuzma and Pope making threes. Yeah. Because I think it's a weakness that, you know, we talked about earlier in some of the series. But, you know, I look at the three ball and how powerful it's been in all these playoff games. And the truth of the matter is the two West Coast teams don't shoot it as well as the two East Coast teams shoot it. Right. And so I'm looking at myself saying the final – it's not a guarantee that the West team is going to win this thing. Right, right. I think it's a little more even than we all think it is. And I think Denver, because of LeBron, doesn't get the love they deserve to get. Right. You talked. You mentioned the zone, and I want to go back to that because that, that was the portion of the game where Denver kind of fell apart. So some of that had to do with, I think, the zone. How, you know – there's teams like Toronto and Miami that have used a zone throughout the season and have made it a part of their defensive repertoire. The Lakers not necessarily have that seemed more of a, let's try this out. We're down 20. Let's throw something out there. Do you, do you feel like, I mean, you kind of referenced it, but as a coach, when you see something like that, do you think, okay, now we adjust and we can, we can beat this and make it so that that is no longer a weapon. And what is it? What is it that you do to adjust to beat that? Well, the whole thing, the zone sends a different rhythm to the game. Yeah. And it's more a ball movement than running plays that, okay, when I run a play, it usually has a primary score and a secondary score, and that's about it. But against the zone, you don't know who's going to score. You got to kind of make some ball motion, some smart body motion. You try to put try to draw two defenders to want to, to the ball and just keep them in the recovery. Uh, but it messes up the rhythm of good NBA offenses. And that's why people go to it. Uh, it it's weak on rebounding. But, you know, the Lakers weren't rebounding the ball anyway. So it, it turned out that it was okay to get away with it. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think Denver's going to see it again. Uh, and the one thing I loved about game three that I think is going to be highly important is I like Jokic being aggressive in the first quarter. Oh, I like this. I don't want a wake up call for Jokic. I don't want him to be the, the guy that's trying to feel the game out. I thought in game three, as much as all the other guys were aggressive, he was aggressive early. He took some shots. I never saw him take before. Kind of bad shots. I know what one of them I thought was a bad shot. And I'm going, ooh, that's not Jokic. Was it a three-pointer in transition, kind of a quick three? Yeah, kind of off balance a little bit. Yeah, a little off balance. He's wobbling. Yeah. But I think Denver, the faster they play, the better it is. Because I think I think the Lakers are a good five on five. But I think Denver is as good. And five on five, and I don't think the Lakers shoot the ball at a high level. I'm sorry. Yeah, right. Their mid-range game, yeah, it goes in once in a while. But I, I think Anthony Davis and LeBron, well-covered mid-range game, doesn't win every night. Right, right. Some nights it wins, but right. it doesn't win every night. And that's where the others got to be in the game. And right now in game two and game three, the others, Denver's winning. 
Denver's winning in the others. And LeBron, you can kind of say, yeah, he's got great numbers. But did you feel LeBron last night? Right, yeah. I felt Rondo last night. I knew that Anthony Davis was in trouble last night. Did I feel like LeBron was the savior? I thought Rondo was more of the savior Yeah. to the Laker comeback than LeBron. Right. No, you're right. LeBron, that was – watching LeBron his whole career, that wasn't a top LeBron game. That wasn't above average. That was almost below just in terms of feeling him in a playoff, in a playoff game. Um, Dwight Howard has been interesting in this one because in game one, he came in, mixed it up. I thought got under Jokic's skin. Jokic gets out the game. The game's over. Games two and three, he's – it seems like that effectiveness, the Nuggets and Jokic in particular, more prepared for exactly what it is he is – his role on this team is grab a bunch of rebounds, get under everybody's skin, toe the line of what's a foul and what's not, hoping that you get away with it. And I feel like the Nuggets have responded to that and kind of figured it out. How do you handle this Dwight problem? Do you feel like Denver's on the right track to sort of solving that, that part of the series? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think you have to give him credit. When Dwight Howard's on the court and they're playing two bigs on the court, I don't think it's the Lakers' best lineup. Hmm. I know they say that's, that's how they like to play, but I, I think deep downside, LeBron wants, the, they, he wants to be the four-man on defense and the one-man on offense. And... Anthony Davis, when that happens, Anthony Davis has got to be more physical, more alert, more defensive-minded. And I'm not I, – I love Anthony Davis, Davis as a player, but he's a cool guy. He's a casual guy. He's a <laughs> finesse guy. Yeah. Some people want to call him soft. I'm not sure he's soft, but he would rather play the game finesse than physical. Right. right. And so I think Dwight Howard has a role in this series – to kind of go in there and show Denver that we can be physical, even though it won't be Anthony Davis, it'll be Dwight Howard. Right. And I think, you know, the interesting thing about this, the JaVale minutes at center haven't been very good. And they don't play it very much. They know that's a short minute sort of stardom, and then that's it. But those haven't been very good. The Lakers got absolutely destroyed in game three when they played without a center. They had Mark, Markeith Morris at center. Nuggets went on an enormous run. So now you look at it and you go, okay, they need to play Anthony Davis at center. They need to play Dwight Howard alongside Anthony Davis. And those two lineups kind of work, but can you do that for 48 minutes? That's one of the questions I have. And if Denver can solve that Dwight AD combo, well, then now you're down to just what you said. Anthony Davis at the five, LeBron at the four, and that's their one lineup they're going to feel comfortable with. And it just seems to me like Denver, you start wide. The Lakers had success with a lot of different looks. They're starting to get more narrow in what they have a lot of success with against Denver. That, that's my perspective on it. Well, the whole thing that the, the Lakers right now is make them miss shots and run. Yeah. Uh, they thought they could outrun Denver. They thought their transition game in game one was very impressive, dominating. But game two and game three, I don't think so. I don't think it's a – right now it's a toss-up who's going to win the points off of transition, points off of turnovers. Um, and that's why I think you're going to see maybe some aggressive 
collapsing on the ball a little bit more to create offense. Because the Lakers, they, you know, they have their moments when they get in flow and they get in a good rhythm and they make shots and everybody's happy. Yeah. But I guarantee you, those minutes have been dictated a great deal by good defense as much as good, fun, mm. good offensive execution. So you got a game that I think both teams defensively five on five. I almost promise you all those five on five possessions are under 35, 30, 40% shooting. Right. Especially if you put the turnovers in there. Yeah. You know, it's not only missed shots, but if you turn, if you turn, if you add the turnovers to the shooting percentage, you're going to get, you're getting in the low thirties, especially for the Lakers. Yeah. I think, uh, the, the half-court battle is really fascinating because the Nuggets have, I think, made the Lakers look pretty pedestrian in that half-court. It really is those those open-court opportunities. We saw the Clippers be aggressive, uh, on Jokic in particular, sending the hard double, the early double. And to me, it seems like that plays into Jokic's hands. You're sort of suggesting the Lakers might go to something similar where they're trying to get aggressive, they're trying to create turnovers, but shouldn't the Lakers be concerned about Jokic's ability to pick those blitzes apart? I think yes and no. I think Jogic is, is a lot like LeBron. You can't double him in a simple way. You got mm. you got to double him late. You got to double him with surprise. Maybe double him big. You know, if you got Javale and Dwight in there, putting two on him, that should take away some of his passing opportunities. Um, I think there's more things to be thrown out. I guess is the best way to phrase it. And in the same sense. The way Denver's covering LeBron and Anthony Davis is worth collapsing on the ball and then hustling and trying to get out to the shooters. And again, you get a deflection, you get a bad pass, you get the wrong guy shooting the ball, it works. And last night I thought it was it was kind of like a little bit like the Clippers in game seven, where they got a lot of good open looks. Yeah. But none of them looked like they were going in. Taking a quick break to remind you about DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. They're bringing back their can't-miss deal. You guys, if you haven't signed up yet, you got to take advantage of this. Sign up. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR when you do to take advantage of the offer. Pick any team during week three, bet $1 on them to win, and if they hit, if they do win, you win $100. That's right, you bet $1, that's nothing, and you if your team wins, you win $100. And if you're not an, uh, an NFL fan, maybe you're an MMA guy, don't worry. They've got the exact same offer for you for UFC 253 this weekend. You just pick your winner. Bet a dollar, you get a hundred. DraftKings is safe, reliable, and secure. They make it easy for you to deposit your money and withdraw your money at your convenience. Completely above board, completely legit. You're going to love it. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DNVR when you do. Take advantage of that $1 to win 100 offer. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right. Let's get back to George Carl. Here's a, another one for you that I thought was interesting. PJ Dozier comes in in game two, and I thought had a fantastic, other than the missed free throws, I thought he did a very good job defensively in that fourth quarter. 
took a couple charges. Um, it reminded me of game five in the Utah series. He had a great game, helped Denver win. Didn't play in game six of that series, did not play in game three of this series. Were you surprised at all by that? And as a coach, just how hard is it when you take a guy who's not in your set regular rotation, comes in and has a great game, how hard is it to know, okay, do I go back to him or do I stick with the guys I've, I've kind of trusted for most of the playoffs? Well, I liked how uh, the game was rotated in game three a little bit more than game two. Okay, You're right. I think game two was – the others weren't playing very well. And mm. Malone won one, one player deep. The others played great in game three. Yeah. And when you start playing a lot of people, sometimes nobody plays well. Mm. And, when, and then what I think Malone went to, he went back to Porter early, went back to Moores early, and they went to, we're going to play shooters. We're going to play guys that can make shots and be aggressive. And the, the, the minimalizing of maybe an average offensive player like Torrey Craig and maybe like uh, as you, the guy from uh, South Carolina. Uh, both those guys, I think, are different players. But in game two, the, he came in and handled the ball really well, went to the rim really well, got some energy into the game. And that's, I think, Malone – didn't think he was getting that from Gary Harris or Porter Jr. or right. Corey, or, or, or Torrey Craig. And he went to the – Dozier? Dozier? Do, Dozier, yeah. Dozier. Uh, and I, I thought it was a good move then, but you got to feel the game. When you're starting to play your ninth and tenth and eleventh men, it's only in need, I think, more than let's, – let's throw it out there and see if it works. I want to ask you about Michael Porter, and I'm going to, I'm going to share my screen here with you so you can kind of take a look at this, this video clip I got. You, can you see this video? I do. So I actually i am talking over this, so I'm going to try to spread through. But these are the types of plays. So the set, come up to set the ball screen, and uh, he jumps to the wrong side here, right? Jumps over here. The screen's going to the left. He jumps to the, to the opposite side. And LeBron has a downhill race to a wide-open dunk. I mean, he's putting, he's putting Mason Plumley in a terrible position because that's too easy for LeBron. And now, you know, you're just going to, you're going to get dunked on these types of plays just seems like he makes them a lot where it's not necessarily, you know, late rotation or this or that it's being in such a wrong spot or completely unrecognizing what's happening so that another guy is the one that gets punished for it. Now, another guy has to decide, do I get dunked on? Do I challenge the shot? Do I give up an open, open lane or, or what have you? Um, and you, you talked about being impressed with Michael Porter, you know, he's always hit shot or not always, but when he hits shots, you know, it's very loud. Those types of plays to me seem like they real, really wear on the veteran players, even the Jokic's and Murray's and Mason's. It seems like those plays are the ones that really great at your teammates. Well, you know, if you think of where I am now, it's going to wear on more when the games become more and more important. And you're right that he makes, he makes basic defensive assignments hard. Yeah. Good players make the game of basketball easy. Yeah. He makes the defensive end of the court confusing. You know, and I don't know the concepts, the rules, and, 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 and details of the concepts, but it does seem like, one, when he gets in a, 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 an area that you got to be physical, he's a little too soft. 
Mm. And he, instead of just fouling hard and taking a hard foul, he's kind of just gentle. Yeah. And I think that gives you the three-point play. And it gives you the cheap rookie call. I don't think he's getting a good wh- I don't think he's getting a good whistle. Yeah. But you know, to be honest with you, Porter Jr. now is a little bit better than the Porter Jr. against Utah. Yeah. yeah. He's offensive rebounding. He's back cutting. He's involved. He 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 understands he's not he's not the number one or two option. Right. And the more little things he can do, the better chance he has to do more things. And um, his length is he's long. You know, he's, he's very long, and he's a very good rebounder, uh, especially at the offensive end. And he's helping. He, right now, when you have a young player like that helping your team in, in, the, champ, in the conference championship, you, got, you know, that's a good sign. That's a good sign for everybody. Well, what do you think about this just broadly? I mean, he now has 17 playoff games under his belt. At a minimum, he's going to have 19 at the end of this of this year. The Nuggets, you look at their veterans, over 30 playoff games now are veterans. Jokic and Murray, now the veterans, so they have to refer to them as veterans. Those guys now have 30-plus playoff games under their belt and by virtue of all of their series going to seven games over two years. It seems to me like this is a, a crash course. They're getting a Ph.D. in playoff basketball in a condensed amount of time. I, I agree 100%. I think, uh, I think the same thing can be said for Miami and also for Boston. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and a little bit away the Lakers. Don't, you know, they're, they're proving guys. They're LeBron, Rondo, Dwight, Dwight yeah. Howard, maybe Morris. But the others, Caruso, Kuzma, Pope, Rondo, those are the guys that got to come up with games. And I think the others are going to determine at least one and maybe two of the yeah, remaining games. I agree. What scares you most about the Lakers going forward now? Is it the transition points? Uh, scares me most. Oh, man. The two things that I would put on the top of my list is Anthony Davis's touches in the three ball. Mm. If you can, if you can make Anthony Davis shoot under 50% and win the three ball, like you did yet last night, you dominated the three ball last night. I think Denver might be the better team. I mean, um, now you got a great player attacking a defense that, you know, looked like the defense was winning a little bit over LeBron. And I think we all know LeBron's capable of dominating any, any defense. And, uh, you know, I, I, I know everybody in the NBA world thinks I'm crazy, but I, I actually think the series is very even. And it comes down to the others, the superstars, and the three ball. Well, I think we're one game away from everybody feeling like you do. Because, I, I mean, even me, I'm gun-shy for this for a couple of reasons. One, this, team, this Nuggets team two months ago didn't look like the team they are now. I think you, you mentioned Michael Porter being better now. I think they're all better now. Jamal Murray, who we've barely talked about, the way I view him as a player right now is so different from what I viewed him coming into this bubble. I just feel like he's grown up a whole lot and, and 
not just as a scorer, making these big baskets and, and being calm under pressure, but even just as a playmaker. Uh, we talked about this a little bit on the previous ser- uh, you know, on our previous show, but I felt like even after last night, Jokic was as good as he is. Last night, Murray was the one that had the calming presence on the court. I felt he's also the one that copped it up quite a bit to, to kind of give up that lead. But do you, I mean, just what are you seeing out of it? I know I've already asked you this last show. You, you said that you were really impressed with his sort of growth there, but it seems like it's continuing game by game. You know, I like him to be more efficient as a playmaker. You know, uh, I know Jokic is your point guard, but Murray, when he is facilitating a little bit more than he probably does for me, when he facilitates, I think he lifts his team better. Now, the explosions that he had against Utah, and he's had some good fourth quarters against the Clippers, and yesterday was probably his most efficient game, a triple-double type game against LeBron. I think it's coming down to Jokic and Murray in a different way have a personality with the Nuggets of stars. Now, they probably got to score more with Murray and Jokic got to get more numbers. Mm. But it doesn't matter. You know, it seems now, like that game was, Jokic was really good early and Murray was really good late. And that was enough to win. Yeah. That was enough to win because of the defense. And, you know, Murray and Jokic are going to have to win Probably one or two of those. One of those guys is going to have to win two more games. Be be a A plus player, and you you know you only have one throwaway. You know you have one game right. you can have a bad game. Right, right. I mean, getting down 0-2 is the thing you got to do. Is you got to win four out of five, which is right, hard. really hard. Yeah, a third three-one comeback. I'm sure, as much as it would make for a phenomenal story, it's also another. Just that you've only cheat death so many times, it seems. And it does make me wonder, who do you think feels the more pressure right now? The Nuggets for being down in this series, or because they came into this and they even talked about them feeling free. Nobody expected us to be here playing with house money. But the more you go into this, the more you look at it and go, "Well, now we have an opportunity in front of us." Who do you think has the most pressure right now? I think Denver's playing loose. I think they're. Yeah. I think Mike Malone has got him in a positive mental energy. Um, Tuho didn't scare him. Yeah. Um, they they came out with intensity and focus from the very beginning. I thought I was kind of surprised by the Lakers kind of having a regular season attitude towards the game. I thought LeBron would spike him up a little bit, lift him up a little bit. Um, and then the way you got to love how they play the second half. I mean, the second halves since game, what, four? Yeah. Game, game five of Utah? Yeah. They, they, have they lost a half, second half? Good question. Game one, yeah. maybe. Maybe yeah, game yeah, one. Yeah, game one. Yep. But, you know, when they went in at halftime with a lead, which was I, I was just elated with, it gives them a different confidence to win the game. Yeah. I mean, you know that the Lakers were going to come down and punch you. They punched them in the third quarter, got close. They got back up to 15, 18, 20 points. And then they came back again one more time. The Lakers are always going to come back. But when you're ahead 
and you know and when you're ahead you always have confidence you're gonna you got you got possessions that you can you can overcome yeah and you know the bounce of the ball sometimes helps you uh, a cheap whistle helps you a three ball banking in helps you you don't have to have greatness all the time you can be you can be fortunate more often when you're playing with a lead yeah I think uh, I love Malone's message throughout these. He's taken sort of, there's been these little moments where he's taken a step back and talking to the media. And he said, my message to my guys is just to stay in the moment and enjoy this because there's no guarantee when you get back to this, there's no guarantee all these things and just kind of live. And I think there's something to that. Look, I think that Jokic and Murray have confidence just something inside them gives them confidence of, the, of the, their upbringing or their experience, whatever it is, mental toughness. They seem to have it. But there is also something, I think, too, just sort of enjoying this experience one by one. And you talk about them. They're down 0-2. They go into that game and they have smiles on their faces. They're playing with connectivity and joy. And I don't know. I just – whatever it is that Malone is preaching, it seems to really be landing with this team. And I think that's a big part of – it just looks different than it does with some of these other teams in these moments. Well, again, I think the energy that you're seeing is the confidence that comes from coming back 3-1. Mm. And you're in the bubble. It's easy. You don't have the outside distractions of travel, mm. of playing in, a, in an opposing team. And what I find out is once you get your team in a good momentum, like the Lakers won on, what, a seven-game winning streak? Yeah. You know, when you get momentum – it's easier to sustain it because you don't go on to the opposing team home court. So you go on the same court and when you got, when you're in a, in a positive place, it's easier to stay there. So I think Denver's in a good place. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, and, you know, I'm really kind of confident with what I'm saying. I mean, it's not that, you know, it's not that I don't love or love the Lakers. I mean, what LeBron is. Yeah. I mean, I could be totally wrong. He could come out tomorrow and put 40 up and get 15 assists and they'll win by 15. But I honestly don't think it's going to be that way. I think the Lakers got to answer some questions of how do we get Anthony Davis? How do we, how do we get back to the transition game? What risk do we take? Do we double more? Do we get more physical? Dwight Howard's giving them a physicality. Are they going to, they haven't played Morris as much as I thought they would. Uh, has he been that bad? Or I yeah. mean, he's a little bit, he's a little bit of a, uh, a junkyard dog a little bit. Uh, so I don't know, but I liked how Denver played last night. And I think today there's more questions for L.A. than there is for Denver. Well, this has been an exciting run, and I always love talking to you. Now I'm feeling more confident, Coach. You've, like, given me a pep talk. Now I'm sitting here thinking, okay, maybe I should be a little bit more optimistic about this Nuggets team in this matchup. Um, but uh, it, it's been a lot of fun, and I'm excited now. For people that maybe didn't know, we do these now every, two times per series. We do it right now after about the third game, and then we'll do it – after this series, which now will either be a season wrap-up show together or a preview of the NBA Finals. How, how cool is that? It wouldn't be, it'd be so cool if it, was, if it wasn't in the pandemic year, but yeah. I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it any way <laughs> we can get it. 
<laughs> because I again, I don't want to pick a winner who wins this championship. Right. I mean, four days ago, I thought it was Miami. Right. Boston played well. I thought it was Boston. Now, and then, and then I thought the Lakers, you know, after winning game two, you know, getting 2-0, they'll figure it out. Now, you know, I'm, I'm back to, I think, I mean, I, I, my two favorite teams are Miami and Denver because I like how they play. Yeah. But I, I, I think anybody, right now anybody can win this, including the Denver Nuggets. If Denver were to advance to the finals, is there a matchup you would prefer they face that you think is better for them? I know we're getting way ahead of ourselves here, but might as well ask you it. Uh, I would I would prefer the team that matches up poorly against Jokic. Because I, th- I think I love Murray right now. I love how he's grown up. I, lo- I love how he's moved yeah. into a a higher echelon but i still think the guy that makes this team go is Jokic, and i think they trust and believe in him um but they're doing a nice job i mean yeah Jokic has been batman murray's been batman they, they right. flip-flop batman and robin right three or four times in this playoff series right well coach thank you so much guys don't forget to check out the truth in basketball podcast we're uh George Carl dishes on his entire career life around basketball, which is a really interesting life. One of the most interesting lives around basketball, I think, of anyone ever. I mean that sincerely. I mean, it weaves in and out of so many different great moments, people, stories. Really incredible. Um, and then, of course, don't forget, rate, review, and subscribe uh, to this show, Keeping It 1000. We'll be back in a couple days. Uh, we'll see you all then. Before we get out of here, I remind you of the presenting sponsor of this show and the one who made it possible, DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. To add to the excitement of week three in the NFL, DraftKings is bringing back their can't-miss offer where all you have to do is bet $1 on any team to win the game, and if they win, you win $100. That's right, you bet $1 to win $100, and if for whatever reason you don't like the NFL, you want to bet on UFC instead, UFC 253 this weekend, same exact deal. Pick your guy, they win. You get $1 bet turns into $100. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DNVR when you do, so you can take advantage of this can't-miss offer. Again, that's promo code DNVR. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, Call 1-800-522-4700.